0: Welcome to Preaching and Preaching, a podcast devoted to those who preach and to the task of preaching itself. I'm your host, Jason Allen, president of Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Today, I want to welcome Dr. Dustin Benge to the podcast. Dustin serves as associate professor of biblical spiritual historical theology at Southern Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. He's an accomplished author, having published multiple works, including his most recent, The Loveliest Place, the Beauty and Glory of the Church, released with Crossway Publishers in March of 2022. Dr. Benj, welcome to Preaching and Preachers.
1: Thank you so much, Dr. Allen, for uh, inviting me to come
0: on. Yeah, I know it's a delight, too. I had this conversation with you today, and of course, we're old friends, kept up with you and known you now for, gosh, I guess well over a decade, and uh, was delighted to see you before we began recording today. I love everything about it, from the topic to the content to even the the book jacket, everything about it I love. It's just very well done by you and uh, by your partners there at Crossway. So congratulations.
1: No, thank you very
0: much. Into the meat of the conversation today, Uh, give us a sense of update on yourself and your family and, and your ministry and perhaps any other ministry initiatives or writing projects that may be before you.
1: Well, actually, the uh, title that you gave for my current position at Southern Seminary is fairly a new title. Uh, my wife and I uh, moved back from Wales uh, in the United Kingdom uh, in December of 2021. We had lived in the UK for around two years while I served as provost of Union School of Theology in Southern Wales. Uh, we thoroughly enjoyed our time there, but are quite thankful to be back in the States. My wife, Molly. She um, has taken up the task of teaching first grade uh, in a public school here in Louisville, and uh, she really enjoys doing that. So it's really nice to be back with family and friends.
0: And give us a word on your broader ministry, your writing ministry. Uh, You shared a couple of things with me before we began recording, but what our listeners may look out for as to what's on the horizon.
1: Yeah, so actually just this week, um, a smaller kind of condensed uh, version of The Loveliest Place was released by Crossway called Why We Should Love the Local Church. And it was meant to be a distillation of The Loveliest Place. So it's much smaller, much more accessible, very easy to give away to people uh, for lay people or small group studies, things of that nature. Uh, there's a couple other long-term projects I have, so I'm uh, writing a book with Moody publishers um, on the Beatitudes that will be out uh, sometime next year, so I'm very excited about that, as well as working on a long-term project on a biographical account of the uh, 17th century missionary and American Puritan John Eliot. So um, hopefully that will be coming out in the next uh, several years, but that's more of a long-term project.
0: Oh, that's great. I look forward to seeing that. Well, listen, let's talk about the beauty of the church, and we'll let uh, your recent book shape that conversation, but we'll no doubt go places uh, beyond what you cover in your book today. Uh, give us a sense, though, on the book itself. What prompted you to write it? Like, Where did the idea originate from?
1: Well, The uh, Loveliest Place is third in a series of books that Union has partnered with Crossway to publish. Uh, The first book in the series, Rejoice and Tremble, is by the president of Union School of Theology, Mike Reeves. The second book is Deeper by Dane Ortland, And now this this one that I wrote is the third, The Loveliest Place. Uh, When I was invited to write this book by Mike Reeves, I was basically very simply told that my subject was going to be the church. And I thought, there are so many great books on the church. Why do we need another book? But i had come across a, a passage in a sermon by Charles Spurgeon where he defines the church as the dearest place on earth. And that started me thinking, do we view the church that way today? And so that's really the question that I hope to answer in the loveliest place, uh, offering readers a a different perspective, if you will, on the church than perhaps we have thought of before, and that is one of beauty and loveliness.
0: So, and I I love the book itself, you you of course deal with with texts of Scripture, but also you sprinkle in, some of your own occurrences ministerially, uh, experiences, encounters in the local church. And uh, I I can tell that the book, the title of the book, really does represent the heart of the author.
1: Well, absolutely it does. Um, uh, Over the past few years, I've so sadly witnessed how easy it is to allow our warmth toward the church to uh, slip away. And we've witnessed countless people Uh, grow cold and apathetic toward the church. Uh, Just by way of a personal story, as my wife and I were sitting in Wales at the height of the coronavirus pandemic, it was probably once we moved to Wales eight months before we were allowed to walk into an actual church building and to fellowship with fellow believers in Christ. And so it was quite easy during that time to lose some of that deep affection that we have for the church. And so it was during that time that I wrote the loveliest place. And if the book is for anybody, it was for me to remind myself of who the church is and why she exists in the, in the sincere hope that my own affections would be raised.
0: It is interesting as we record this conversation in spring of 2022, uh, Church as a title, as a reference point, as a word, Uh, it's fallen on hard times. It seems church, when referenced socially, culturally, in the news, and even in quote unquote church circles, it often isn't in positive light. It's often in negative light. Why is that the case?
1: Well, there's any multiple of answers that I could offer. Um, uh, When we survey the current state of the church, really it's Easy to become discouraged and disheartened. It seems every generation throughout church history sees the challenges that come to the church. And at the moment, we have our fair share of challenges. Not only does the church face challenges from the outside with pressures to conform to the culture and society around us, but the church faces many inward challenges as well from scandals and abuse and doctrinal error and infighting and all the rest of it. But in short, I think the more we concentrate on things like form, methodology, structure, organization, and even programs at the expense of the church's beauty and loveliness, we downgrade our ecclesiology. In in other words, a healthy ecclesiology is robustly Trinitarian and viewed through the eternal lens of Christ's sacrifice on the cross since the foundation of the world. And one of the problems now that I see is that rather than viewing the church as a living organism, that is the bride of Christ, we've started viewing the church as an organization that is nothing more than a neighborhood civic club. And There's nothing otherworldly about a local civic club, but there's something glorious about the bride of Christ fulfilling God's eternal redemptive mission in the world. And so, we have to shift our perspective from that self-introspection that often fuels our disgruntlement to the church to a biblical and Trinitarian perspective which will cause us to see the church as something beautiful and glorious.
0: And it's not just the culture, who are obviously visibly outside the local church, who often are critical of the local church. It seems as though it's almost a fad in evangelicalism for people in Mm -hmm. the church to spend their time critiquing the church. Are you seeing that as well?
1: Well, absolutely. That's that's probably what I see the most. If anything, I would say the culture has dismissed the church as something irrelevant, something quite antiquarian, um, something that should have been dismissed and destroyed many years ago and And so, really, the danger that I see at the moment is the infighting and disunity uh, at the moment within the church, which mars our gospel witness to the world. and this has become an enormous problem over the past few years, uh, particularly as churches were closing down because of the pandemic and various other issues that arose ideologically within the culture that you have within the church, individuals taking sides, one or the other side, and we've lost the love and the affection that we once had for the church.
0: So then unpack for us a little bit, Dustin, why the church is indeed such a lovely place.
1: Well, I would begin by saying that we can't shape a proper understanding of the purpose of the church, the function of the church, even the mission of the church, without a biblically robust definition. And sadly, most of our modern definitions, most of the current definitions, never seem to shift from the functionality and success of the church to beauty and loveliness. And and that's what I'm arguing here in this book. We have great books on the church's form, methodology, and all the rest of it, but I'm wanting people to have affections for who she is and why she exists, and so we have to start with a definition. The church is the assembly of the redeemed, that is, those who have been called by God the Father to salvation through Christ the Son. The church is a body of the redeemed, the bride of christ now that's a short definition but what it reveals is that she isn't lovely because of some intrinsic value that's not what i'm saying here but christ makes her lovely through his redemption and so to capture her beauty and loveliness the church must be defined not by what we do but by who we are the church is chosen by god the father saved by Christ the Son, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. And all who are saved out of the darkness of sin and brought into union with Christ are part of her body. And there's nothing more lovely and beautiful than that. In fact, it was Jonathan Edwards that said this is the end for which God created
0: the world. What does it say about and so if God sees her as beautiful, for the pastor himself to see her as beautiful? To never get over that basic affection for the people that he's called to serve. Mm. How essential is that as an as an ingredient relationship between pastor and people?
1: Well, that's a great question. Men often enter pastoral ministry really because of their ardent love for Christ, who is our chief shepherd, but quickly discover that their love isn't quite as robust for his sheep. And we could all think back on our call and perhaps uh, attest to that. And such men may face immediate opposition and difficulty and dissent from obstinate church members causing uh, such pastors to become disheartened, hardened, and desensitized, losing their zeal that they once possessed. And I can look back over my own ministry over the past more than 20 years and recognize certain seasons of such disheartenment. But if we are to recommit ourselves to the beauty and loveliness of the church, I think we must first remember our call and that is remember God's call upon your life to be a steward and shepherd of his people, a people for whom he died. I mean let let's face it, we have to recognize that these people are the ministry. As tricky as they can be, as difficult as they sometimes can be, Jesus is our supreme example of love extended to wayward sinners. And gospel ministry consists in searching for the lost, strengthening the weak, comforting the grieving, challenging the weary, restoring the fallen, feeding the spiritually hungry, and we could go on and on. This, this friends, and I'll speak to everyone who's perhaps listening, who may be a pastor or in ministry, this is God's beautifying process on the church. To create a church that the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians will be presented to him on that final day without spot and without wrinkle. What a unique and unbelievable responsibility and opportunity that we have to be part of God's process of making the church more and more beautiful.
0: So let me flip the question then and say, what would you say to the minister listening who, frankly, is discouraged? He's dealt with difficult deacons, perhaps uh, challenging elders, perhaps cranky church members, whatever his local church setting. And he knows, in the abstract, he is to love the church. He knows biblically he's to love the church. And at times in his ministry, he has loved the church. So he loves yeah. the church in a general sense. But it's these people he's looking at on Sunday morning that that don't seem that lovable these days, Pastor.
1: Well, I would say we have to strive to shift our perspective, don't we? Um, It's this sometimes inward self-introspection that gets us into a lot of trouble. And if, if we are to present the church as beautiful and glorious, I would say it starts with us. It starts with how pastors conduct themselves in both the local church and the public square. And as I'm on social media and other platforms, and I just cringe sometimes when I hear pastors say negative things about the church, such negativity, such negative connotations, such constant ridicule, constant critique. Well, and then I, I say to myself, it's no wonder that we have churches that don't love Christ, that don't love ministry, that don't love that that don't love the mission that God has given us in the world. And so it starts with the words of every sermon we preach. Why? Because most people will judge the church through the actions and words of the pastor. So if we don't see the church as beautiful and glorious, others won't either. Now, it's necessary here to understand what I'm not saying, what I'm not saying in this book. I'm not saying the church is perfect, so I'm not telling pastors to go find that perfect church as is often the phrase, if you found a perfect church, it won't be perfect once you go there because we're sinners. So I'm not saying the church is always going to do and say the right things. The church may hurt you and sometimes hurt you badly, but I would encourage pastors, don't view the church through the lens of God's people who are yet to be fully sanctified, but view the church through the lens that God in Christ views her. So we have to be in the word. We have to be on our knees. We have to have this robust inner drive and pursuit of holiness and piety in order to see the church as beautiful and glorious and thus present her as such.
0: Dustin, we'll have to leave the conversation there, but it's been such an enjoyable time together. Again, the beauty and glory Of the church. I want to thank you for the conversation, but as I do, I also want to commend your new book, The Loveliest Place The Beauty and Glory of the Church, out in March with Crossway Publishers. And may the Lord give this book a wide reading. Thank you so much. Thank you for being with us today and for listening to Preaching and Preachers. For more information, go to my website, jasonkallen.com. That's jasonkallen.com.